And we're just doing a very quick intro. This is kind of like a preview for the longer movie because this is an introduction to the unconquered lands and the allotment, the distribution of the lands. And so last week we heard about a lot of dead kings and we wondered why was that even in the Bible? Why would God include dead kings? If you don't know the answer to why that is, go back and listen to the sermon from last Sunday. But we're going to focus in on, on chapter 13 and verses 1 through 7. And then we may have the same question. Why is this included in Scripture? Why do I have to know this as a New Testament Christian? All I need is the red letters, right? All I need to know is what Jesus said. I don't need to know about all these, these, these backstories. But I'm going to tell you what Alan did by helping us experience God in the passage is the same thing that we do when we read the Old Testament. We get to know God better and more clearly and just have the joy that comes from knowing him better. So let's go ahead and just read it. Joshua 13, chapter or, uh, verse 1. It says, Joshua was now old. Now everybody's feelings are hurt. Advanced in age. Man, God, you got to rub it in. The Lord said to him, now here we go again. You have become old. Thanks, God. Advanced in age, but a great deal of the land remains to be possessed. Oh, we're in a conundrum. Do you feel the drama, the tension? This is the land that remains, and now we have a list. All the districts of the Philistines and the Gershites, from Sihor, east of Egypt, to the border of Ekron on the north, considered to be Canaanite territory. The five Philistine rulers of Gaza, Ashad, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, as well as the Avites in the south. All the land of the Canaanites from Arah, of the Sidians to Ephek, and as far as the borders of the Amorites, the land of the Gebelites, and all Lebanon east from Baal Gad, below Mount Hermon to the entrance of Hamath, all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon to, now I practice this word, but once again, I'm getting tripped up, Misrephoth, Maim, all the Sidonians, I will drive them out before the Israelites only distribute the land as the inheritance for Israel as I have commanded. Therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we read this passage, we can come to it a little confused. We don't know these names very familiar. We're not familiar with them in the same way that we would be of Tucson and Phoenix and Arizona and New Mexico and, and California. But this is the same land that the Israelites would understand carefully and clearly. God, we know that as we read this passage, we are to be strengthened in our faith. We are to be encouraged to trust in Christ more. So Father, show us in your word in these brief moments that we have together how that is and what that looks like. Father, I want to lift up once again the people of Afghanistan. In particular, the facing massive amounts of martyrdom and persecution, and they are still being bold for you, that they are not seeking after a comfortable church pew or a comfortable church chair with air conditioning, but they are solely seeking to glorify you in their life and in their death. God, what comfort is your word to them? We should ask ourselves. Father, encourage us by your word today. Be with those martyrs in Afghanistan. 
we know that the world is not worthy of them. And we thank you for your mercy and your grace to us. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So we see two things in this passage. One is that there is unfinished business. And second, that there's a promise. So the first part, unfinished business. Joshua is old. Now, God's not insulting Joshua. I was being a little silly with that. But God is really just saying, recognize this. You have gotten old, Joshua. When he was invading the promised land, most people think he was in his 80s. And so he's probably about 100 or, or thereabouts and probably died around 110 years old. And so Joshua is not a young man. And he's been leading battles. And if anybody knows anything about warfare, it's physically demanding on your body, especially when you're swinging a sword or even just commanding troops and being out in the heat. And your body begins to decay. How many of us have looked at our lives and said, I got a lot of unfinished business to do? The, the program that I started is not quite ready to be handed over. I'm, I, I still have this unfinished business before me. Or maybe the church that you're a part of or have been a part of is struggling and you just you feel like you should still be doing something with it, but at the same time your body is decaying and you recognize that your time on this earth is limited. Now you may be a young man and think that's a long way away, but talk to anybody in this room and I bet they'll tell you, no, it's quick, it's coming, it's coming fast. And so what we have here is Joshua has unfinished business. The land has yet to be fully conquered. Now God gave great victory, right? They broke the backbone of the enemy forces. They have um, broke all, all organized defense in the land of Canaan that they are moving into. And we read all about that. We've heard all the stories so far. And so now the people of Israel are going to start partitioning off the land. Who gets what? Where is the inheritance? And so Joshua has one job left. His job is to allocate the land that remains. And before we get to what he allocates, there's a description of everything. Now, as we read this, it's easy to forget how much has been accomplished already. That God has already given them the promised land, essentially. The, the, it's already happened, it's just not yet fulfilled. And that's a theme that we need to recognize is important in the Old and in the New Testament. As we move forward, and so these lands that are described here, we have these this the districts of the Phil, uh, the Philistines, and we have a north, we have a south, and we have a center kind of being described. And I'm not going to go into into all the details, but I do want to emphasize something important here. The Philistines are just now really being recognized in the book of Joshua. They haven't really been talked about very much, and that's because when future readers read this they will likely be in battle and combat against these Philippines. The people of Israel need encouragement about this unfinished business. And so we have this: the five Philistine rulers of Gaza. This word is actually a Philistine word. It's the only Philistine word we really know is this thing, rulers. And so already there's a, a recognition of who these people are. And so the Philistines were likely some form of um, seafaring group that came and landed. Um, I like to think of them as the Vikings. I don't know why. It just is exciting to me in my mind. But they're like the Vikings. They've, they've conquered some coastal areas, and they're aggressive. They're large. They're, they're hardcore fighting people. And many of them have chariots. And so this can look overwhelming for the people of Israel. Joshua was our, 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 our hero. He was the one that was moving forward. He was the, um, the, the George Washington in this fight against 
the, the, the British. He is conquering this land for us, yet he's going to die. What do we do? Who do you put your trust in is the question that we have in here. Do the people of Israel say, oh no, Joshua's dying, let's just give up. Let's stop. Let's not go ahead and finish the business. Or do they say, let's trust in the one person we should have been trusting in all along. When we see what's happening in Afghanistan and we look at the failures of this administration and what they did in Afghanistan, do we say, well, oh no, who do I put my trust in now? Or do we have our trust in the one person that we should have had trust in all along? Who are you trusting in who gives the land? Who are you trusting in who makes kingdoms rise and rise and kingdoms fall, like Psalm 46 talks about? Who are you trusting? If there's unfinished business, it's the unfinished business of not trusting in the right thing. Are you trusting in your own ability to make yourself happy because that's going to fail? You're going to be miserable. Are you trusting in yourself to, 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 to save your own soul, your own inner worry? You're going to fail. Are you trusting in yourself to do anything, to be right or to make yourself righteous? You are going to fail. In fact, many people will still trust in themselves, yet then go and turn into to verse 6b, the second part of 6 and 7, and say, well, at least I have the promise. At least God has promised me something. Guess what? If you don't have the Lord as your Lord, as your king, you don't get the promise. If God is not the king of your life, you're not going to have the promise. So if God is not Lord of your life, you don't get the inheritance. And this is this unfinished business that we are talking about here. There's a promise. So in verse 6, in the second part, it says, I will drive them out before the Israel. This is God speaking. Only distribute the land as an inheritance for Israel as I have commanded you. So all that Joshua has to do now is partition the land. Why do you think that's sticky business? Have you ever watched a TV show where they talk about a will of a really wealthy guy? Um, in fact, I heard a good country song that talked about this guy who was drinking at a bar with this guy that talked about life, and he ended up leaving all his, his fortune to this guy he met at the bar. And the whole family was mad, right? Because the inheritance wasn't given to the family. It was given to this random person. But you've seen the contentious nature of an inheritance. Oh man, well, I should have got grandpa's pocket watch. I should have gotten that $1,000. I should have gotten this. Well, what, what do you think the Israelites are doing as they salivate over the land that has been, well, I need more land. In fact, we see that come up later in our passages. And they say, well, this is not enough. Or oh, you get the oasis, but I'm over here in the desert. There are enemy forces. And so there's this, this sense that this unfinished business could lead to ruin for Israel if they're trusting in the wrong thing. And so Joshua is commanded to allocate or cast lots for who gets what and how much. And so that's his job. And it says, therefore, divide these land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half tribe of Manasseh. Now remember, there's 12 tribes. Nine and a half are on this side of the Jordan River. The other sides have already gone home or are going to be going home. And we'll see that as we go forward. That's a preview for next week or the week after. And so what we have here is the people of Israel have the land before them. It's been allocated. It's casting lots. So you as, an old, as a New Testament Christian reading this, say, okay, that's cool. That's interesting. They're getting an inheritance. We kind of know how this story plays out. What about me? Well, we as Christians, New Testament, New Covenantal people, we have an inheritance, don't we? 
If you belong to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you know Him, if He is your greatest treasure, if He's the thing that you seek with all your heart, you have a treasure with Him. And we have a description of that treasure in 1 Peter. And I'm just going to read it. Don't need to turn there. Just take down this address. But it's 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5. And of course, my marking... It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. That means you must be born again. If you haven't been born again, if you haven't had that experience, you need to talk to someone because you need to be born again. If your soul has not been transformed from the way, the wicked way that it was to the way it needs to be, we want to talk to you, so don't run away. We'd love to have a conversation. Um, even if you're not there yet, we would like to talk about it into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here's what he has done for us. Listen to what the Lord has accomplished. Listen to the inheritance that we have been given. It says, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. This should give us hope that this inheritance that we have, this future inheritance has been given, but it's not yet realized. Do you understand that concept? The already, not yet. Like Christ has already come and defeated death, it is not yet finished. So many of you young people in this room, I'm looking at you, Edward and Silas. Many of you young people in this room don't really consider what tomorrow is going to look like, right, August or Hazel? We don't think much about tomorrow, Joshua and Anne. We don't think much about tomorrow, but we're so caught up in the tyranny of the now. And we want to, to figure out what's happening now. And, and this is a time in your life, young and old, to recognize who is the King of glory? Who is the one that you put your trust in? Who is the Lord strong and mighty? Do you trust in Him? Or do you trust in yourself? One of the jobs of the preacher is to look at the passage and study it and to consider it and then bring it to God's people and help you consider it and to tell you and ask you, where is your faith? Where is your trust? Because the whole world wants you to trust in something. You should drink Alka-Seltzer versus this. You should trust a Ford versus a Chevy. You should do this, not that. The whole world wants you to, to be wrapped up or to be a victim. The world wants you to have something that you put your hope and trust in. Maybe it's your money. If I just have enough money, that'll make me happy. If I have the right TV shows, that'll make me happy. If I wear the right clothes or the right friends, that'll make me happy. If I get the dream job, that'll make me happy. But what are you putting your hope in? Perishable things. Things that are defiled. Things that are going to last for today and be gone tomorrow. So even though we're young, it is our duty as young people to consider eternity. We must consider where we are going to spend eternity. And how are we going to live in light of that? Um, J.C. Ryle makes this really cool quote that I've memorized, kind of, and I paraphrase it every time. But he says, we wear what we weave, or we, wear, we weave today what we wear in eternity. We sew the clothes today that we're going to wear in eternity. And I think that's a really good point that if we fail to recognize that we, are, um, that we have a soul, 
We fail to recognize that we're prone to trust and think we're prone to wander, as that good hymn says. If we fail to consider what this means to be a Christian today and to share that good news, we're going to, to, to be disappointed in the future. If we built our inheritance here versus there. And I want to ask you to do this in your hearts right now. I want you to consider your heart. Have you been walking with the Lord? Do you know this Jesus? Is he your greatest treasure? Would you rather have him than anything else in this world? If you don't know him, if you do not know this Jesus, if you do not spend your life for this Jesus, I want you to seriously consider the state of eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity? Because if you cannot enjoy him here, how are you going to enjoy him there? How are you going to dance with the devil here and then spend eternity in a perfect paradise with Christ? How are you going to do that? I know that there are people that probably don't want to be around me. I know there are people that probably dislike me. And if they dislike me here, would they like to spend time with me in eternity forever? We've got to consider this. So consider your hearts, guys, as we uh, begin to wrap up today's sermon and just um, the first part of Joshua. I wanted to point out that Joshua 13 is the first part of a third part. So there's, there's three parts. We've already gone through parts one and two. And now we're jumping into part three of the book of Joshua. And that part three goes from 13 to 21. And it's an important part. It talks about the inheritance, and we're going to really unpack that as we go forward. I really want to encourage you to, um, to recognize what a special thing we have in this church family that we have. The relationships that we're developing, the, uh, the friendships that are, that are coming along. We've had two families join our church. They've been in the bulletin the last two weeks. The Vargas family and also the Sheltons. The Sheltons are sick, so be praying for them this week as Awana starts, as they're um, busy with Awana as well. So be praying for these two new families that have joined us as uh, members in our church family. And what a, what a blessing it is to serve a church that is so loving and caring for one another. We have a potluck. This is a great time to get to know people. Come to the potluck and uh, get to know Alan and Sandy. I'm really enjoying. I, mean, I just loved your message, Alan, so thank you. Uh, what a blessing it was to have you here um, and to share that with us today. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Almighty God, as we finish up this part of Joshua, and we're going to finish, we have about four more weeks of Joshua, and then we begin Isaiah. God, I pray for your wisdom as we approach the book of Isaiah. What a, what a powerful testimony to who Jesus is that we find in the book of Isaiah. God, I thank you for Sierra Vista Baptist Church. I thank you for being allowed to be their pastor. I thank you that you have blessed me with such a wonderful congregation that I can love and pray for regularly. God, I pray that these people today will have their hearts opened to your message, that they would not leave this room without considering who is this Jesus Christ? Who is this King of glory? the Lord strong and mighty, who is he? And how do we get to know him better on a regular basis? How can we grow in joy and favor of Jesus Christ? God, I pray for everyone here, and I also pray for those who are homesick, that you would encourage them, that you would uh, build up those immune systems, that they could continue to serve you in the various ways that they do. Lord, in particular, the Sheltons, as they struggle with uh, illness on a regular basis, having three young kids, which is so common. 
God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace, and I thank you that I have your word, and I can proclaim with boldness the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. Lord, I pray that this congregation would be people known as bold as lions, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus in the community. And all these things we ask in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.